For those of you who joined in last Sunday's worship, you know that Jesus didn't come to humanity in general. He came to specific people with specific needs and specific circumstances. And today I want to carry that thought further. Edna St. Vincent Millay tells of a day in her life when the world seemed to crowd in on her from every side. Even infinity, she thought, came down and settled over her. All sin was of her sinning. She knew humankind's hunger for her own. All suffering was hers, even death. And at that last strange word, she says, The earth gave way to let her sink gladly, deeply into its breast. Yet, there was still the friendly sound of of the rain above, and the dripping trees, and all the silver of the spring, and the autumn gold. Who could bear never to see any of that again? If only she were alive once more, if only God would put her back when suddenly, to the sound of herald wings like music, the startled waters plunged down from the sky and washed her grave away. The winds blew and thrust the miracle of breath into her face. Upon the ground she sprang, up from the ground she sprang, and hailed the earth with such a shout as is not heard save from one who had been dead and is alive again. She wound her arms around trees, Like one gone mad, she laughed and and hugged the ground. There was a God whose radiant identity no dark disguise could ever hide from her again. Never could he move across the grass, but her quick eye would see him pass. How silently now he spoke, her hushed voice would answer him. Back on the hilltop she stood, where all of it had begun, and the world had crowded in. But with a heart now that could push away the sea and land, a soul to split the sky in two and let the face of God shine through. What is it that's crowding in on you today? What is it that's stacked up against you? Do you ever dream of escaping, of putting everything on hold and, and just getting it away from it all? Which of us has not longed to put off our responsibilities and take a break or just take off for a while? Which of us has not been stressed out at some time under the demands of our life, our work, or our family? Which of us has not yearned to be released from that which seems to hold us and hem us in and hold us down. When everything closes in, our inclination is to run, escape, to get away, or simply bury our heads in the sand. Sometimes when things close in on us, we escape through generalized living and turn away from particularized living. We choose nature over people, mobility over roots, camping 
over committees, entertainment over commitment. The temptation is so strong to live expansively instead of intimately. We would like to climb every mountain, sail every sea, drive every road, fly every plane, see every play, watch every athlete, read every book, and catch the latest movie. Edmund Kahn speaks to this desire for escape by pursuing different things with this psychiatric insight. None of us is completely content with the casual confinements of a single career, a single vocation, a single lifetime, a single location. Each one of us desires to live out all kinds of lives, to exact all powers and receive all adulations, to suffer and enjoy every sort of passion, to possess all, as it were, in short, to play the Faust in an endless psychosis of exploits and triumphs. These compulsive lusts drive the self out beyond the boundaries of its own body and send it to exact, to enact comedies, tragedies, tableaus, and epics elsewhere. You see, the temptation is always there to move away from our problems, escape the routine, and live life solely on our own terms. When one thing fails, we turn to another. Earlier this summer, Michelle and I did one of those complicated, um, over-thousand-piece puzzles. And if that doesn't teach you humility, I don't know what does. <laughs> but it got me thinking. You can start where the colors and figures are clearest, or with the border, you know, the straight-edge pieces to form the border. And when you get stuck, you can just go elsewhere, and at first, the options seem limitless. However, eventually, as things get tighter and tighter, you have to face the fact that the puzzle is really one piece. To keep moving away from life's difficult situations only postpones the inevitable decisions. It does not cancel them. As one who strives to be faithful, I know I have to move from generalized living to specific living. I must move from the many things I like to do to the one thing I must do. Let's think together this morning about some particular areas of life where it is important to move from generalized living to specific living, from the many to the one. Let's begin with relationships. You and I need relationships in depth with specific people, not just many casual, easy relationships with humankind in general. And we need these deep, specific, individual relationships person to person in our immediate family and beyond our immediate family. Cicero knew how crucial relationships are when 2,000 years ago, he wrote, if a wise person were granted a life in abundance of everything so that he had leisure to contemplate everything worth knowing but still could not communicate with another human being, he would abandon life. 
Certainly Jesus, in a hundred different ways, stressed the importance of specific personal relationships with individuals over merely going places and doing things for masses of people. Sometimes in relationships, we expect too much. Our general orientations and aspirations about relationships are seldom fully realized in particular situations. Sometimes we can mistakenly expect our concrete, specific relationships to embody the best features of a dozen similar relationships that we have known or heard about. That is, we often pursue a composite image, a composite image that is out of touch with reality. The beauty of one, the personality of another, the giftedness of the third, and the kindness of a fourth. We imagine impossible combinations out of the best we have known and then expect the particular relationship we experience in home or job or church or marriage to embody it all. It follows that when we move from broad generalizations to specific life situations, when we pass from the many to the one, we cannot expect that one to possess it all. Yet, we must pass from the many to the one. This is how we grow. It is the maturing Christian who moves from vague, generalized living to specific responsibilities and commitments. Our best efforts are not to be directed toward children in general. Our best efforts are to be directed particularly to the children whom we have specific responsibilities with. Our best social efforts are not toward the management of society in general, but concern for our specific community and its needs in housing, jobs, health care, and education. Our best efforts for peace can be directed not only toward vague world peace movements, but specific movements of wholeness and understanding beginning with ourselves, our friends, and our community. Our best efforts to help humankind should move from vague, generalized concerns to specific situations, whether it be homelessness, whether it be health concerns, or other disease-oriented issues. Christian love shines not toward people in general, but specific persons, especially the marginalized, those unloved and unloving, and sometimes the unlovely. Think, too, of moving from generalized living to specific living as it relates to work. Some of you are past that time in your life, but you can relate. Even though unemployment is low, there are a lot of people who are not happy in our society about their work. Many people are unhappy where they are. Some jobs are admittedly drudgery, day by day. But let's not overlook the fact that there is a certain amount of drudgery and boredom in practically every job. 
When we are young, we tend to have a broad view about our work. Many kids dream of being lots of things, either all at once, or changing their dreams as fast as their shoe size changes. There were a lot of things I wanted to be when I was growing up. Youth is the time to generalize. That's what being younger is all about, to dream, to imagine, to fantasize about one, two, three, or even more life careers. But eventually, as life moves on, we must pass from the many to the one. Not that the one can't change over time. It can with proper education and retraining. But we can't be everything all at once. Often, however, we do finally find the one thing we really want to do, the one thing we need to do. We may tend to invoke the myth of the composite again and weigh out job against all the good things we once thought about. And so we become restless in the one job that we have. We would like, we would like the salary to be like a corporate executive, the vocation and vacation time of a teacher or a minister, the fame of an actor, the power of the president, the prestige of a doctor, the 9.30 to 5 hours of a clerk, the independence of a judge, and be paid well for being wrong 50% of the time like a weather forecaster. <laughs> what we fail to overlook, of course, are the years of hard work and study that the doctor took to get to where she is. We fail to understand how the clerk might long for higher status. We forget the length, the lengthy brief the judge has to pour over late at night in order to fairly weigh a case the next day. What we overlook are the hours and hours of monotonous rehearsal and the strenuous daily exercise of an actor day after day. Ideally, as we contemplate the different kinds of work we might have done, we need to try to arrive at the point of finding our particular calling satisfying and rewarding. The older we get, we cannot continue to make unlimited moves from one job to another always imagining that we'll be happier doing something else. And now, think of moving from generalized living to specific living as it relates to your faith. A person can appear to be awfully devout as a religious generalist. I suppose it's a natural thing when we're younger to be religious generalists. We're filled with curiosity and we want to be fair and partial to every idea. We like to talk about many religions. We might even like to visit other churches, listening and learning about other religious traditions, comparing, weighing, and trying to decide among a religious smorgasbord. But all of this general religion, while good on the one hand, will on the other only add to relatively little when it comes to enriching personal faith. Unless we pass from the many to the one expression that is best for us, the one that is best for us.
A.E. Taylor reminds us that there is nothing heroic about keeping the mind open on all questions simply because we are too indolent to go to the trouble of shutting a door. Nor is it well to leave all doors indiscriminately open. For though the door often provides an avenue for the entrance of much that is welcome, it also, as we too often forget, affords an exit through which what we can least afford to lose may disappear. The important thing is to judge which door should be left open and which should be shut. Often we offer God our general admiration while withholding the particular obedience of our minds, hearts, and lives. This is what John Maysfield was getting at in his poem, The Everlasting Mercy. But trained minds are spread so thin, they let all sorts of darkness in. Whatever light they find, they doubt it, they love, not light, but talk about it. I never have and never will like the interest people put in astrology. But then the stars give supposed guidance without demanding obedience. And what's more, we can study a horoscope without having to be thrown into an association or communion with other people. What made the Apostle Paul, the stellar Christian he was, was the fact that after having been a religiously active man in many ways for years, he finally submitted to the sole claim of Jesus Christ. The one thing I do, he said, he was no longer a religious generalist. He gave up everything else in allegiance to Jesus Christ. The one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call in God, in Christ Jesus. How unfortunate, some might say, that a person who might have pursued many ideas and found so much truth should stop suddenly with one person, Jesus Christ, and one religious truth, Christianity. But mastery is always achieved through limited resolve. The person who is to be pitied is the person who believes everything just a little bit. The person who believes everything just a little bit, or the miscellaneous person who never has his or her broken life under the command of a single voice, or gathered his or her abilities around a single passion. What's really interesting about Paul is that his magnificent obsession with Jesus Christ threw him into a new movement that involved him with specific people in particular places. And he had trouble with these people. He really did. It would have been much easier for him to live, to leave, and ignore Corinth or Ephesus or Philippi and move on, rather than stay as he did and try to communicate the gospel with the stubborn and self-righteous people in the churches there. You know, clergy 
can be as guilty as any of playing with the myth of the composite. Many ministers have a picture in their mind of the best churches that they have ever heard about, visited, or served. And we dream about such a composite church. The air conditioning of one. The beautiful sanctuary of another. The pulpit of another. The number of lay leaders in another. The choir of another. The budget of another. The national prestige of another. And the beautiful location of another. And we imagine that a mythical composite church has everything we could ever want without realizing there is no such place and there is no such job. I suppose as a member or friend of neighborhood church, you may also have a composite myth of the kind of church you desire. You may want intimacy, but a church like ours can't fully achieve the intimacy of everyone with everyone, like maybe the 30 to 50 member church from which you have come. The hymns, the hymns we sing may not be the good old songs you remember from Sunday school days, and that bothers you, or they may be, and that bothers you. There simply are things one church can do that other churches can't. Some things appropriate for one, but not for the other. But instead of trying to realize what is impossible, doesn't it make more sense to move from the many hopes to the one, the one big hope for this church? that it will be the place where our faith comes alive and equips us to serve God. That we accept its mixture of assets and liabilities, its pluses and its minuses, that we are simply to serve God here with as much vitality and faithfulness as we can. Of course, when you pass from the many, to the one, we can't expect that one to possess all the best features of the many. But it's part of our maturity as human beings, let alone our maturity as Christians, to move from the many to the one. We regress if we move from specific tasks to generalize things which we never get done. What is love if it is not directed toward particular persons? What is work if it is not done at a specific time and place? What is faith if its object is not the one God and Lord of humankind? What is Christianity if it does not lead us to both a personal and communal commitment to Jesus Christ? God offers it all. God's universal love was manifested on earth in one person. And he got all tangled up with the particularities of life and histories. 
God did not choose to save us by dwelling in a general way somewhere out in the universe, but through one single gift of love. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ lived out a single life pattern on this earth of birth, life calling, work, and ministry, death, and resurrection. The Christian is one who trusts and follows God's one model for the sequence of life, from birth and life to death and resurrection. So let's not run some imagined ideal race that is only a dream. But as the writer of Hebrews said, let us run with perseverance the race that was set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The race of life is set before us. Helps, hindrances, and all. Let us move with the one, the one who makes all things possible.